this is your pathway to pro. So I hope you like the intro. What it does is it gives a perspective what what the whole E to E ecosystem. So E to E, it's education to esports and so and entertainment. So when you think about it, it's education when you're teaching individuals uh, the opportunities and all the objectives inside of esports. It's like what do we do next? We got to put into action. And the cool thing about it is we're going to be able to speak on esports leagues, HBCU leagues, and this is the, the this is the platform that individuals want to be a part of so they can therefore they can showcase their portfolio whether they're competing whether they're doing production whether they're doing marketing for the event this is the platform and we really want to be able to highlight that so as you see out there we have ryan johnson that's available for us right now to learn so much from his perspectives and i think this is going to be you know i'm not going to say think i hate to say think i know this is going to be something that's pretty dope and pretty engaging and upwards if you do not catch it please go and research and learn everything about community right now i'm a huge supporter i'm inspired it's really good to see individuals who look like you that are pushing i know it's not easy but the the, the, the cool thing is that we're we're creating something that's going to last for years and years and ultimately forever so when it comes down to it i love to be able to see individuals such as yourself ryan and i'm so glad that you're a part of this thank you so much my man tell everybody about yourself Nah, for sure, man. I appreciate you having me on. I was actually just thinking this is like a little bit over our one-year friendship anniversary. Yes! Because uh, we met like <laughs> like beginning of November out at the Esports Awards. Um, uh, but no, first and foremost, good morning, everyone. Hope everyone had a fantastic holiday. This is actually the second Thanksgiving I spent away from my family. So I, like, I was chilling in Atlanta. Uh, but as Danny, you know, you know, so kindly stated, I run an organization. I'm the founder and CEO of Community. Uh, Community first and foremost, spelled with an X, C-X-M-N-U-N-I-T-Y. Um, and I just always like to address, and always get the question of why the X. Um, well, you know, our in, in, intention is to increase the participation of minorities within the gaming space. And then, of course, in the esports industry at large, um, one of the biggest separation points is those who have access to PCs versus those who have access to consoles. So then when you look at everything holistically, a keyboard and a PlayStation and an Xbox and Nintendo, X is the one button that is seamlessly across all of those uh, different consoles and systems. So for us, it was a way of like showing unity and inclusiveness to involve everyone to be a part of the esports ecosystem versus just focusing on one category. Um, but yeah, man, just a little bit about myself. Uh, I was born in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, I was raised in Columbia, Maryland. Uh, I'm an only child, and like, quite frankly, my whole life I've been into gaming. My first console was a Sega Genesis, um, beating the Power Rangers game and Jurassic Park games over and over and over again. Um, and I've also been a huge, I've been playing traditional sports my entire life. Uh, so, like, I played basketball competitively, high school, or middle school, high school, collegiately. Um, and then, you know, my goal getting out of college was to find a way to work in both the worlds of sports slash entertainment and then also technology. But then it was, like, really weird, bro, because, like, coming out of college, uh, my degree was actually in physical therapy. Um, so coming right out of school, I knew I didn't want to go to physical therapy school. I take that back. I, I did want to go to physical therapy school. I didn't get into physical therapy school. So let's okay. just keep it okay. very, very, very honest, right? For sure. Um, it, so I just started looking at other alternatives because I didn't want to have to retake any courses and stay in college any longer than I needed to stay. So I started looking for entry-level sales jobs um, for when I got back to Maryland. Um, I got super, super lucky, man. Um, 
like before I even got home from college, I landed this outside sales role uh, selling uh, voice over IP phones, business to business. So like literally my first job was suit and tie, hidden doors in like the middle of the summer in Baltimore, Maryland. And what ended up happening, um, a company, uh, Vonage Business, a lot of people are familiar with the phone provider Vonage. Uh, they bought iCor for about $50 million, the company I worked for. And that acquisition uh, relocated me from Baltimore down to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so again, I, nothing I had planned to happen, but you know, it was just that first, I like to call it calling point where I knew that, you know, there was probably something larger out there. So when I got down to Atlanta to kind of fast forward, I stayed with Vonage for about another year and some change. Um, and then I, I left and went over to an IT consulting firm and I stayed there for about two years. And it was more of a senior level role, right? You know, Vonage was more so like they get kids right out of the college, they yeah. put you in the wheelhouse and, you, and you're grinding it out. Yeah. But Adapture, was more strategic and they worked with fortune a thousand companies and government agencies within georgia so it was literally a complete 180 shift as far as like how i was involved in business and i saw a much higher level of how you know six figure seven figure deals are getting done um, within the world of it so one thing that was really cool bro like i was on the business side of it but at night i was starting to go to graduate school at georgia state um, you know, to start my master's in sports management, you know, really taking that first stride to figure out how can I bridge this world of tech and sport. Yeah. Um, so in November, like literally, dude, almost exactly two years ago um, to this date, I, I left that corporate IT firm and I went to go intern and work for an entrepreneur here in Atlanta that earned that uh, he owns a venture capital firm that invested in early stage sports entertainment and media companies. And so while I was working at that company, um, you know, the first investment that they actually made was into an esports facility here in Atlanta called Access Replay. Um, you know, to date, for those who aren't familiar, um, and shout out to Ali because I love Ali with all my heart. Um, Access Replay is a 12,000 square foot esports facility here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and they've actually now grown to also become a, a production company as well. So then it was just like that, right? Was working in IT, going to school at night, left corporate, and now I'm in esports. And that was literally my introduction. But one thing I always like to point out is that I didn't plan to work in the esports, which is very common for a lot of people, especially a lot of people of color. Because even though I grew up like literally gaming since I was about six, seven years old, I, I can promise you, cross my heart, hope to die. It wasn't until 2018 I ever even heard the word or term esports. I never heard it. Um, and I was like, how have I never heard of this? And I've been playing Halo, I've been playing Battlefield, NBA 2K, I've been playing yeah. Madden. And then, you know, I come to find out once you step into the industry, those titles are kind of left at the door, right? Yeah. It's getting to a different point where it is, but we're talking about before CDL was a thing. We're talking yeah. about before Madden Pro League and For things sure. of that nature. So um, I get into the space and I'm like, dude, there's one thing I can consistently look around the room on the business side is that I'm literally one of maybe three people of color in any and every room that I go to. Like, boo, that's literally how we became friends. Yeah, at the sure. esports awards, yeah, we, we were just across like, the room. We were just we're like, like hey. oh, oh, there you go. <laughs> and, and then, like, you know, Brent was there from the NFL, and that was like our little trio for the night, for lack of better words. Me, you, and Brent just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, we had the idea that okay, if this is happening at the business level. Uh, what's happening in the school system. So one thing that's really unique, and I, I think it is like this in Texas, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but in Georgia, uh, eSports is a sanctioned high school sport. Um, 
So for those that aren't familiar, yes, in Georgia, your kid could win a state championship in esports just like he could um, in basketball, football, track and field, et cetera. So one thing that we started to notice, right, because in Georgia, they're really aggressive with the pipeline. Uh, K through 12, all of our colleges locally have it. Georgia State, Georgia Tech, Kennesaw State, the University of Georgia, the AUC, Morehouse, Spelman and Clark were, you know, they're now catching up. But at the time, they didn't yeah. have these programs. And so I began to ask myself, well, what are the games that are being played at the high school level? The three titles um, were League of Legends, yep. Smite and Rocket League, and go. they were all PC-based, right? So not saying that it was done intentionally, but with the decisions and game titles that were made, it literally alienated an entire school district because those schools could not afford the gaming computers to then be a part of the league. So we just started to ask the question, okay, well, if this is happening in Atlanta, I can almost guarantee you this is happening in every major city, tier one, tier two, tier three in North America. Yep. So who is gonna help these kids because data shows that african-american millennials over index as the number one group for hourly weekly consumption of video games but yet they are the smallest percentage when it comes to working full-time within the space for sure so you know we basically started community with the the statement of let's turn the, the consumer and let's help them become the creator yeah. uh so kind of fast forward you know community we started full-time in february of this year um, you know, just like everybody else in the country, a lot of our plans were defunct uh, with the pandemic. But, you know, being in esports and gaming was probably one of the biggest blessings because I would argue that was probably one of the easiest industries to be in to then pivot for something like a pandemic. Um, so, you know, we quickly, well, let me just say this. So we started with the notion to bring esports to underserved schools. Mm-hmm. But in, when the pandemic hit, we shifted our focus to then we need to get devices to the kids that don't even have access to then start the programs inside of the schools. Exactly. So like we thought we were starting on step one, but we're like, let's take a step <laughs> back and start and start at step zero. Yeah. It's like, let's actually get these kids technology because in Atlanta, it was nearly a 90,000 device deficiency within the yeah. public school system just to help the kids do digital, virtual learning. So this is really what, you know, set off the momentum for community was um, the first weekend in May, we did this program called Tech for COVID. Yeah. And please stop me if you have any questions along, because I'll just talk like the whole hour. No, I got you. I got it. I'm looking. I'm yeah. looking. All right. No, I got you. Okay. Um, so we started this program called Tech for COVID, uh, which was essentially to raise, um, you know, do a streamathon to raise money for people, for students that needed access to laptops and then also Wi-Fi. Um, what was really unique about Tech for COVID, uh, we did it over Twitch. Um, Twitch actually, you know, through, uh, at the time, developing relationship, you know, they gave us front page access to that yes. event, uh, for our event. And so that 20-hour live stream brought in about 200, 256,000 total viewers. Um, and then also we raised a little over $118,000 um, in that first weekend. So that was our new story, right? Yeah. We're the new startup nonprofit that's doing esports and education. Which and, was awesome. You know, tech, like, we've seen it yeah, everywhere. Like, <laughs> like. <laughs> and then Tech for COVID was like our first thing. So, you know, Tech for COVID really opened up the door for us to then have deeper conversations with Twitch about, you know, who we were and like what we're yeah. doing. So around the time of June or July, you know, me and Kevin Hong, who a lot of people are familiar with, especially yeah. if you're in like the esports education over at Twitch Student, yeah. like we became like super close friends, man, yeah. like to the point like we were still texting very frequently, et cetera. Yeah. And Kevin introduced us into the Twitch team and we said, hey, look guys, 
we're a community, we're doing this program tech for good. You know, I'm an HBCU graduate, my co-founders are HBCU graduate, my board of directors, they went to HBCUs. Yes. Like we have this idea to actually officially now in some capacity bring competitive and organized esports to the HBCU landscape. Sure. And we feel like we have a good story, a good mission and good partners to actually execute at a very high level. Yeah. So then we then we just worked with Twitch. We 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 put out our partnership announcement to create the first HBCU esports league. How long did that time um, take before, like from you know initially saying, hey, from an HBCU perspective, and we really want to be able to bring initiative? How long did it take to actually solidify the partnership with Twitch? Um, like two and a half or three months. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, because again, for us, right, and and mind you, one of the I'll say this, like one of the challenges was there there were several groups that we were talking to. You know, a lot of people had, you know, very similar and the same aspirations. But I never let that discourage us in the route that we were going because all all, all I knew just looking internally was that we went to the schools that were first servicing and that we have networks of friends and alumni yeah. that went to the other schools that we wanted to partner with. Yes. Right. So I think one of the things that we did and I was glad that we did it and we got some criticism for it is we started with the students, yeah. right? And I understand when you're starting at the university level that may not be appropriate or the best you know, method. Yeah. But one thing I know going to HBCUs is that HBCU leadership is sometimes very prone mm -hmm. to looking at new ideas and new innovations, especially when there could be a cost associated, but yeah. even laying on top of all that, we're in the middle of COVID, right? Yeah. It just wasn't a priority for faculty to make this a, a possibility. Super smart. So what we did is, so we started with the students and it was very simple, right? We started the Discord server. We had four schools in there at first. Um, and we just started running Call of Duty scrimmages, bro. Like, kept it very simple, kept it yeah. very plain. Then Morehouse told Clark. Yeah. Clark told Fam. And then it just became this ripple effect to the point now we started with six schools. Uh, we are working now officially with about 21 schools. Ten of those 21 are actively practicing and competing in expeditions. Yes. Um, and that's pretty cool. In the next 40 minutes, um, our press release is actually going to be coming out. Uh, we, we have a, our, our newest partnership is actually with the United Negro College Fund, uh, where we created the first HBCU esports scholarship okay. fund to actually financially support these schools in the rollout of their first ever inaugural esports programs. Perfect. Because one thing that we committed to out the gate is that we're never going to charge a student and or a school to be a part of our league. I'm gonna go get that money from corporations yeah. to then put on for the school and then donate that money back to the program. So, so you know, speaking on that, so now, like speaking on that right now, like sure. you know, you know, one of the biggest elements with working with a nonprofit is you putting that pressure on your back to say, "Don't worry about the schools. I want this is very important, but let me go back on the outside and let me go and showcase your value to individuals who are looking to be able to provide value just as much." How? How do you feel about that? It, how, what's, what are those challenges? What are something that you're engaging with? Because individuals who are, are like, even in our community right now, there's a lot of nonprofits, there's a lot of individuals, and people reach out to me all the time like, hey, Danny, you know, you have this for-profit entity, and we are seeing esports on a high degree, but we really want to incorporate this in our nonprofit. Like, one of the biggest things, we have Taylor Toins with Four Cliff that's here. He asked about, I have students on a daily basis that come through my, my facility, and I'm doing it for the community of Oak Cliff. How do I get in esports, and how do I engage? So from your perspective, 
your best advice would be to ensure that, hey, I'm going to go out into the corporations and to the larger organizations, and I'm going to bring in what we call the bag to be able to provide that for that of the students. So therefore, he can actually, when it, when it, come, when it comes down to him, that's something, that advice that you can give them. Talk about that experience and talk about, is that a difficult process? Is that an easy process? Is there an, an efficient process to go? Because if someone like that and in our community wants to be able to go build something just like this, like give them ex, you know, advice from your experience. Yeah, it's twofold, right? And I would say what made, what made it more possible and feasible for us is that I come from a sales background, right? in corporate sales at that. So it, it really always just comes down to knowing how to have the conversation and then understanding who you're talking to inside a corporation. So yes. for us, it was very effective, right? It, it wasn't, it, one of the hardest things about this whole thing is that I have no historical data, right? We were founded in February. So every corporation that you talk to, they want to say, well, what happened last year when you got this money? I, yeah. like, I can't tell you because I, I wasn't around last year yes. um, to kind of give you that data. So, um, but it, it was, I mean, and then also timing is everything, right? When yeah. we started this, I didn't know there was going to be a pandemic and I didn't know that there would be a round of protests that would, you know, reignite the country from yeah. a Black Lives Matter standpoint. Sure. Uh, but with those things happening, it opened up monies that previously had not existed. Yeah. So, I mean, you can go down countless number of press releases of companies that have 50, 100, 80 million dollar funds yeah. to improve the lives of African-American communities. So then for us, I was like, well, look, y'all really trying to do that. And internally, you're saying that you don't know how to do it. So let's, let's make something happen. Yeah. Um, and so what I will say is that the conversations became easier each partnership that was then uncovered. So yeah. at first it was, hey, look, we're community, help us. Now yeah. it's, hey, community, uh, we have Twitch as our partner and Twitch Perfect. student, here's what we're doing. And then it became, hey, we have Twitch and United Negro College Fund, yes. here's what we're doing. And then lastly, um, like one partner that we're working with uh, will be, uh, it's public now, but is Microsoft. Yeah. So like actually working alongside, so basically now we're able to leverage our industry partners yes. um, to then go out and then acquire more financial funding to then help our programs. Because as a nonprofit, I literally don't keep half the money that comes into our organization. Yeah. So if we were to get 100,000, believe 60 of it's going out the door directly yeah. to the schools that are within our network. So yes. um, my, so going back to the story real quick. So we yeah. started with the students we would then go work with corporations to get funding. And then when I would go to the faculty, I would say, hey, look, here's what we would want to do. Here's what's already happening yes. with your kids at your school. And we want to provide you some startup capital to actually build out this program in a long-term basis. Yes. So I, we wanted to make it the easiest yes possible for HBCUs to not have to second guess or make it seem like it was another initiative that we're making them have to think about, strategize, and then find the funding for it. Exactly. Oh, that's perfect to be able to explain. So let's kind of let's go into there. You know, you have students that are you know coming from. How are you able to gain the actual support from the presidents of the actual uh, institutions in which are part of the leagues um, in which you're creating? I know HBCUs is a huge focus. You know, I know you stated that you're going from the student's perspective. Does those students ultimately drive the interactions with those presidents to get them to say, hey, we want to support, we're on board, and here's, you have our full backing behind this. How's that process? Um, it's a step in between. Uh, so like we'll talk with the students and we'll get the student to introduce us to the faculty member 
that is like the most supportive of the esports club or the idea of an esports club on that campus, then we'll share that information with the faculty who would yeah. ultimately bring it to either the provost or the president's office. So I'll say this like twofold. Because again, bro, I wish there was just one answer, but it's so many. Uh, <laughs> it's so much. <laughs> and because we went to HBCUs, right, it was nothing to get my president, Dr. Uh, Pollard from Oakwood, to get their buy-in. And then, of course, with the UNCF, who supports 37 institutions directly, but all HBCUs in North America, now we have, you know, Big Brother to then amplify our message and talk directly with the other presidents that we no longer do ourselves. Yeah. Um, and so like that's kind of been what the process it has been like for us uh and then also uh is and maybe this is like a god thing but so i went to oakwood which is if you know about hbcus oakwood is a school you would be know but from the outside looking in you would never heard of it yeah. but the president of um at my university is one of the senior presidents of the president's council within the uncf perfect so it's like you know we we have those voices and now we're just going to start really highlighting but then the other route because uncf is a relatively new relationship the other route uh, was actually working with the hbcu athletic conferences so by working with the siac and then also the ciaa you know those conferences they report to the university president yeah. so it was like so what ended up happening is three things the presidents heard about us in HBCU esports to the students. For sure, they heard they're hearing about it through UNCF, and then yes. they're hearing about it in in the in the last regards as well. So, yeah. um, at the end of the day, our Impressed approach too. was, yeah, the, and so our approach was, that's like non traditional, yeah. but then it came from so many different areas that it it, it was like yes, all right, we, we get you, yes, like yes. we're here, kind of a thing. No, that's pretty dope. And so right now you you set up you said hey I want to create this HBCU league you know what are some of the challenges that you're experiencing right now in regards to formulating leagues and I know that you have an ambition to do multiple leagues that are out there um, what is some of the biggest challenges that you can provide to the individuals who are looking to go down the same pathway in regards to engaging with their particular community schools like what's some challenges like some 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 pure you know, dynamic challenges that you've also identified how to overcome as well. Uh, I would say, bro, like, there really is, the, the biggest challenge is just lack of education. And I don't mean, like, lack of education, like, people are stupid. It's yeah. new, right? Yeah. It's new at a time where taking in new information could be a bit overwhelming. Yeah. And so the biggest challenge was getting the schools to understand that I need nothing from them, but yes. Yeah. And, and once we got past that hurdle, they were like, oh, that was really it. And so, you know, that I mean, that was the biggest challenge. Like the students, they got it. They're already into it. But it was really just educating the educators. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I think people are kind of finding themselves gravitating towards us is because two yeah. things. One, no cost. And like all we're looking to do is provide free education. Yeah. It's like we're not I'm not asking you for a single thing. But yeah. So, I mean, if you want my honest opinion, that was the biggest challenge was just getting the official buy-in yeah. to then say that this is a feasible idea that we want to support moving forward. Perfect. And with the elements of saying, hey, schools, here's a league. Here's what we're doing. This is how we can get. Here's a sauce for the schools and the students. Now, when it comes down to a lot of the schools are asking, okay, well, the leagues are great. They're, all, they're awesome. Now, 
as an institution, how do we incorporate education into that? How, what was one of the biggest elements that you provided to say, all right, this is how we're providing education. These are the, all the facets of education. These are the more important things. And then after that, after you got that buy-in, after you received that buy-in, afterwards, what was it like from a testimonial perspective? What was it like when you're engaging with youth to be able to say, hey, here's the value and this is what it's going to lead to afterwards? How were you able to package that up? John Cash, <laughs> that's like my one word. Uh, so like me and John met about a year ago and then of course John was working on his initiative with Jake Johnson C. Smith University. Um, so quite frankly, before I met John, curriculum was on my mind, but it wasn't mm -hmm. something that I was actionably like working on, but yeah. John was. Yes. Um, so basically now they have curriculum in the sports business school at Johnson C. Smith. Um, and so that is now opening up the door for other HBCUs to want to follow that similar track. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I do know, like I was literally, we were talking about this as a team probably a day or two ago, is that's just the first iteration of a curriculum to get the ball rolling, right? Um, and so now working with other STEM-related professionals, other sports business, uh, we're actually working with some uh, traditional uh, universities and PWIs that have successfully built esports program to understand, you know, what were some of their learning experiences? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I never sit here and act like, you know, we're out here creating um, this super, super unique IP, you know what I mean? Like, mind yeah. you, we are putting some of our own flavor and customization on it, but a lot of it, just like a lot of other information is just shared resources, just, right? Mm -hmm. And then taking the best of what is, what works and removing what didn't work. Um, so the, the acceptance is growing. I would say now my focus, at least what we've been talking about, is is mirroring and really studying the the career trajectory between gaming and computer science. Okay. And like, because, you know, everyone's saying like, well, esports education and you can yeah. land a job. Like, what does that really mean? Right. Yeah, because sure. I always look at a lot of, you know, postings and be like, well, if you want to get a job in esports, pay $50 to be a part of this webinar. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, like, it's kind of a scam, yo, because if you really know the industry, there's not that many jobs open, yeah. right? Like just being very transparent in the sure. jobs that are open, they're so finite and minute, you have to almost know the person that you're working for or working yes. under to then sure. even hear about the role. Exactly. So we, what we like to say is that we're not teaching skills to get jobs in esports, we're teaching skills to get you a job. Yeah. And then sure. if you get a job in gaming, that's like a thumbs that's up. up. Mm -hmm. But but we really want to just focus on helping more young black and brown students acquire digital literacy skills to be relevant in the future. Yeah. Um, so whether you work at Home Depot or Chick-fil-A or Coca-Cola, um, you know, look, my hands are up because you're getting a salary and you can support yourself and then you can, you know, become a, a law abiding, good standing citizen. Exactly. Um, so that's that's really my viewpoint. Now we're just focused on career trajectory between gaming in computer science. Perfect. So how are you showcasing those transferable skills? Like what are the marketing <laughs> methods that you go about to say, hey, here are the specific transferable skills and they don't have to be privy to working that in an esports entity, but here's the different skill sets that are available and how are you marketing it out there for that program that wants to say, hey, <laughs> I want to I want to go through the same path as what I see for community. What's your, your answer to that question? Um, I think, honestly, it's still a little premature for that question, right? Because everyone that's aware of our curriculum or programs is people that we're working with hand over fist, right? We haven't really marketed 
um, our career readiness program just because we want to make sure it's fully developed before we go like national or international, yeah. whatever. For sure. um, but for right now, we, we work with two school, two charter schools here in Metro Atlanta. So like our pilot program is about 40 or 40, but about 35 to 40 yeah. students uh, holistically. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that like one, what we're putting in front of them is not a distraction one. Yeah. Uh, and that it is actually serving as a way because we look at our program um, as a, I always like to say like the AAU of esports, right? So you come to us after school, not during school hours. And yes. the only way that you can stay is if you show continual improvement over time. Perfect. Um, and so we like to like gamify the process. And, you know, I think the last piece that we get to add in is our influencer relationships, right? So having people in our corner like Jeezy or guys like Offset or, you know, WNBA players like Alexis Jones, et cetera. Yeah. So what we can do then is say like, well, if you go from a B to an A, yeah. the next event that we do with Offset, you'll get a special invitation and you'll get to be in the room and you'll get to meet him. Yes. So like, because what we've, what we've always learned about young black kids, and I'm sure you can attest to this, is that standard education is not something that we just gravitate towards yeah, exactly. but if you throw it if you throw an incentive in front of it it's, it's a, gonna it's be a like higher it. probability it's gonna exactly. it's going it's gonna go and you know i don't like to make up stuff i just like to look at my own life like yeah. i've been a very average student i can honestly say i've never gotten straight a's or straight a's and straight b's on a report card not yeah. bragging about it but the best academic semester I've ever had in my life, I got like a 3.62. Yeah. And that was because my mentor said, if you get above a 3.5, I'm gonna buy you the new Beats headphones. Yeah. And this is like when Beats <laughs> just came out, like the first version of Beats kind of thing. For sure. And I wanted those headphones and guess what? I got my grades and I got the headphones. That's pretty So dope. I was like, well, so I was like, look, if I could do that for myself and I know how yeah. that internal motivation works, I guarantee you it works like that. So exactly. we started to test the we started to test the waters and we get really, really positive responses yeah. uh, from engaging with students in that in the, like a gamification manner. And that's a huge segue because now with that instance that you're saying, I could have beats, right? And it forced me from going from whether it's a 2.9 to a 3.6. Those beat headphones are what drove you to spend the extra hours to do your homework, to engage. So when individuals look at it from a business perspective of saying, I have to have so much capital to be able to do and fulfill what I need to, is actually you don't really in regards to that of engaging with entities and corporate. Like if you think about sponsors, sponsors can easily give um, components, headsets, mics, whatever. And those key things are are. Eh, exceptional for a young student to be able to provide oh, yeah. one because they can use that while they're actually getting better at a game and two if they want to do graphic design or they want to do coding these are things that can help their their development of the process and that's not a huge thing that's going to come from that or you know that organization or that entity so this is very critical in what you stated so i think it's very important for individuals on the outside to understand that you don't have to have the kit caboodle you can also be able to leverage your community to be able to say i want to provide the smallest and let's grow together from that perspective so Are you kidding me bro like i could get some vc from nba 2k <laughs> and the kids go crazy you get 250,000 vc and now he can make his my player better for getting better grades like yeah it, it, sure. it could be it could be it could be so simple it is you know and you know ultimately you know the next thought process is you know the parent who's the biggest thing is the parent saying is Beats headsets enough? Is VC enough? I actually want my student. I am, I am struggling as a parent. How do I ensure that, you know, I'm telling my son or daughter to go and play in esports versus that of 
practicing to go into the league or getting some capital or going straight to a manufacturing job or whatever it may be, what would be your advice from that perspective? Because that's the real, that's the real one. When, when individual parents are walking inside of this space, they're not saying, oh, this looks great, but they're like, what's, 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 what's the deal? What, what are my son and daughter's going to get from this? And I have to explain right. that on a consistent basis. From what your perspective, yeah, did you how see would that you video that went? Do you see that video that went viral a couple of weeks ago? It was like a young black kid in a hotel room playing Fortnite on like his uh, it looked like a Nintendo Switch, and then his dad was like, "Bro, you're off the soccer team. Get better at Fortnite." <laughs> like you hear about that 16 year old kid that made the, it's actually like it's like a spoof video, bro. It's, it's actually pretty funny. That's but awesome. like no, like I think that's the biggest opportunity is like educating parents. Right? Yes. Um, Last Thursday night, um, there's this black mom here in Atlanta. She started this black mom group. Okay. Um, like, literally, it's so cool. Like, it's a black mom group, and all their sons are under 10 years old. And the purpose of the group, she, she only brings on people that went to HBCUs to talk awesome. to the kids because the whole purpose is to send them to, like, HBCUs. So had like five or six moms on the call last week and like their sons are like in the little gaming chairs and all that <laughs> uh, it was like it was, it was so cool bro. And, and so i could see the mom's faces like their eyes would when i would show a certain slide or show like an infographic it was like wait hey ryan can, can you say that again yeah um they're like wait so my son can get a career because like he always is wants to play like space simulator I was like, yeah, man, if he's playing Space Simulator, he's probably interested in, like, you know, aerodynamics and stuff I don't even know yeah. anything about. And I was like, and this could be a pathway for him. Yes. So I think once black moms get it, and what's pretty cool is, like, my mom doesn't know it, but I'm going to make her a spokesperson for community, like, <laughs> once this is, like, gets to a certain point. Because, again, the only, only examples I could give are, like, my own life story, right? Yeah. Literally, I was the only child... You're playing too many video games. Like, you know, like you're in the middle about to finish like a game of Halo, like 45 to 45 and Team Deathmatch, Team Slayer. And like your mom would just stand in front of the TV like yes. you've been playing the game all day. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you just can't do that. It's like the equivalent of a parent walking to the middle of a basketball game and taking the ball out of the son, the kid's hand. And yes. like, yeah, you're done playing. You're done. Like you wouldn't <laughs> do stuff like that, right? So... I, I jokingly but seriously say, like, my mom's probably going to be my spokesperson because there is no one with a better conversion story of get off the game yeah. to, Ryan, you need to do more work in video games so you can keep doing what you like, what you're wanting to do. That's awesome. Um, but I just think it, I think it becomes a time and a place. Um, and, like, super short, but uh, I listen to this podcast all the time called How I Built This. Um, and if no one's heard of it, it's an NPR podcast about some of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world that tell their stories. Um, and I just listened to the one, um, I can't remember his name, but the CEO and the founder of Dropbox, yes. right? The CEO and founder of Dropbox were very elaborately explaining to you the reason that he had a one-up in life is because his father was a computer programmer. And just like every other billionaire that we know of in tech, they were one of the lucky ones to yeah. get a computer first yeah, in yeah. their entire like geographical region, exactly. right? But specifically about Dropbox, he would say what led him into coding was his love for gaming and then finding bugs in those games, yes. sending a, a written letter at the time to the game development company, and their response was, thank you for finding these bugs. Now come work for us and fix these bugs. Yes, beta testing. And so, you know, that beta tester turned into the CEO of a $8 billion organization. Yeah, that we all sure. probably leverage in some way, shape, or form. Oh, so, so, I mean, I, 
Yeah, man, it's like a, it's so many different like use cases that you can look at, but it's just about intentionality. Yes. So like, that's like a big word that we share with like black moms, especially because, you know, black mom is like the key in that household, it is, like, especially sure. when it comes to the kids. So we're just like, be very intentional. If your son is playing the game, ask him why he's playing. What is yeah. he playing? What is the goal of the game that he is playing? Is he playing by himself or is yeah. he playing with friends? Is it a free world game or is it a strategy-based game? Yes. Because just like data, you can start extrapolating certain things. And if he says, hey, mom, I'm building a pyramid in, in this game because I want to find the, the pharaoh at the bottom, maybe we should take that kid to the Egyptian yeah. museum in real life. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can yeah. just start, start drawing these real world parallels. So <laughs> that's intentionality. I, I, I sum up that whole monologue by saying intentionality. Intentionality. I feel it. And it's cool because I, I resonate with it. When you spoke on, you know, having your mother as a spokesperson, you know, a lot of people do not know this, but my mother is um, my co-founder, right? And she's very <laughs> much in the back, right? But it's cool because we're, we're almost about to close around, right? And when we're doing all these pitches and, you know, the, I, 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 as we close around, I was like, she, she mentioned one in the pitch deck. Of, uh, she mentioned one in the sense. She said, man, you know, back then, you know, my son would be working in, in college and in gaming and esports and building these games. He never asked any money. And so I was like trying to figure out exactly what he was doing in the space. And she's leveraging that now to be like, man, I, I was that mother that didn't have any idea what my son was doing in the gaming industry. And I always questioned it. And, you know, I was like, I always tell my mom, like, I, this is what I'm doing every day and you know it's like she'll come into my my dorm room and have all these consoles and boxes Xbox and playstations and I'm doing these tournaments on campus and and, and it's now with her understanding this industry she's like wow this is every young kid's thought process this this is my opportunity to showcase that I'm a mother and mothers are going to have these same type of questions and you know when you think about how powerful a woman is it's cool to be able to see you having that same perspective uh, from engagement. And there are mothers all around that are they're, they're looking at their sons or their daughters and saying, we want to see them progress um, and what is different from the norm, right? We want to be able to see a new innovative industry. And we're hoping to see that individuals within this industry are taking it serious. They're engaging, they're providing information. One of the things I like about you, Ryan, is you provide data. Right. You provide data. You provide facts. You you can tell that you are learning. You can tell that you always are curious about information and you and you regurgitate that out to the community. And that's something that I am actively learning from you because that's not typically my you know, I, I will be like, here's what I do and this is how I do it. And when it comes down to data, it's 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 very important because people can take that data and they can use it to share with other individuals and when they're sharing it with other individuals it is just, it just helps the industry spread so you know yeah. i've been able to ask you so many different questions and engagement um and you know i'm seeing right now in regards to the hbcu space you know there are a lot of leagues that are popular and i'll make this really quick there are a lot of leagues that are popular like i am a person that really is engaged in trying to come together and when I think about all the different things that's out there, what is the biggest impact that you see that you can make to ensure that as an entity, as a space, that we all we all look alike in this space of HBCUs? How do we come together to build a powerhouse when it comes down to HBCU? Once we once we get those those once we as an entity once we get those um, those AOKs from all of these different. Uh, presidents and organizations, how do we ensure that we can build this together? How do we put everything aside and say, here's the benefit for the youth? If you can answer that question so you know eloquently and efficient, because I know you have to go, but 
That's a huge question that's happening right now in this space. And it's, and it's really scary, too. <laughs> it's really not, not, um, it's, a, it's a good question. But I will say to preface, I can't tell you all my good tricks as of right now, but we definitely, definitely, definitely want to see um, a world where all the various HBCU esports leaders, because again, respectively, right, there's never just going to be one of anything. Yeah. Right? Never, never, never. No. But it's like even in doing separate initiatives, there can be still common ground. Yes. And so for us, I think that that day is going to come a lot sooner than later okay. um, because it's, it's two things, right? It's either we all do things separately and a operate as islands, and then the NCAA is going to say, well, screw all of you, and then yep. we're going to take over this whole thing from the top down. Yep. And then that's a completely separate conversation. Mm -hmm. um, or we figure out to then say, all right, what is this one, for lack of better words, governing body that's going to represent um, the industry at large and then help make a lot of those guided decisions that are best for the HBC community at large. Yeah. So again, I don't know if that answer your questions directly. What I will say is that you'll publicly see some information that will answer the question uh, coming pretty soon as far as like at least how we think that will start to mitigate um, because quite frankly, right to your point, and mind you, I'm living it. There's yeah. leagues popping up. There's invitationals, tournaments, you know, you name it. I I'm actually get the question at least once a day now, well, yeah. what makes you different than everybody else? Exactly. Um, it's a really good question, right? I think what makes us different is that first and foremost, you know, we're only living our story, right? Yeah. And what I'll also say is that prior to the announcement that we made with Twitch, there wasn't a lot of talk. There's a lot of talk. There wasn't a lot of action when it came to actually forming and putting out what is going to become that of HBCU Esports at large. Um, and so, you know, just from that regards, man, I, when brands ask me or media outlets ask me, I just say this, we, we, we walked on the campuses just like a lot of the other folks did. Um, but I just like to look at our, our genuine partnerships and say like one from a, a validity standpoint, yeah. you know, the groups that we're working with, Twitch, Microsoft, you know, UNCF there, you know, everyone's kind of making their best judgments on where to support. Yeah. And so for us, it's like, all right, look, I know what I have. I don't know what anyone else has. And not a lot of other people know what we have. So when I get on these calls and people are like, well, Ryan, they said this. I'm like, well, I never talked to them before. How, do, how would they know? Kind of for a sure. thing. Um, so I just focus on us. Um, we just keep working day in and, and day out. Uh, you know, our partners will speak highly of us again, yeah. like, our mission and story from day one has not changed and has not altered. And the only thing I think that will show any true difference is the test of time. Like who's going to be doing it next year and the following yeah. year. Cause in, in my vision, HBCU esports will be living long past the day that I, me and my team are dead. Yeah. Um, that's dope. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's like the best I have that's right a, now, yeah, but understandable. Uh, yeah. Oh, a, so lot, a lot more to come man. a lot more to come. And that's cool. You know, because, you know, the question stems from, you know, the colleges that are out there that are are, are saying, who do I go? Where do I go? You know, who, what do I pick or how do I pick it? That's the one of the biggest things where uh, individuals want to make decisions, but they're like, OK, where, where do I even go? And upwards, if there's a lot of information out there, it's like people have to make some real tough decisions in regards to the impact for their youth, for their individuals that are around them. And I know from our end, you know, like with us being on the outside, you know, the thing about it is like, 
you know, for our end, we're, we focus on education and production, right? Production on those two the facets. For me, I'm always trying to identify who to be able to engage with from a partnership perspective on the different leagues because, you know, I'm African-American. Granted, I have a company that spans in, in so many different facets, but I really am like, I know how to connect with my youth. I know with the youth that are around me where I live and how many of them are in this area. I know how to engage and they look like me. So ultimately, if I had to replicate that, I know that that will be in a different geographic location. And I know ultimately there will be a HBCUs, right? So ultimately, right. I'm trying to figure out how to engage with the best entity in order to have the long term effect for the benefit of the youth in which we're every day it's that we're building for. Yeah. And so, like, what I'll say is this, because I, I see what your, your your question, right? And I don't look at it in terms of best, per se, but it it's simply just, like, the action, what's yeah. being done, right? And I think that's the only way I, I could measure when this question is brought up. It's what what has been done and then what's on the docket. Because, again... Things that have yet to be done, I don't like to talk about because yeah, it's very much a concept. So it's what I concept. like to say is that we are providing scholarship funding to the first 40 schools that has signed up with um, the community HBC Esports League. That is not an idea. It's not a concept. It is done. Yeah. Right. Funding is on its way to the schools beginning of next week and it is happening. So Perfect. for us. I'm just going to keep doing it. Then also that question, and, and see, like what I what I dislike is this is not at you, right? But no, what I dislike is, is who do I choose, right? Because the last time I checked, esports is a non-exclusive, not is is very much an agnostic industry. Yeah. Because what people are being forced to do, to your point, is make decisions. Yeah. Who am I going to work with? Is it red pill or blue pill? But yeah. from a community standpoint, is both pills because yeah. red pill and blue pill both got something that the other one doesn't. Yeah. So. Another reason why we win the schools is because I never tell nobody to work with me exclusively. Yeah. We actually encourage people to work with the other leagues and with the Dannys of the world perfect, because perfect. scalability doesn't happen in a limited fashion. Perfect. And there's stuff that me and my team may drop the ball on that Danny or whoever else may be able to pick up and then help that student. So that's like one of the biggest differentiators I like to say is that ask any of the schools I go to, ask Twitch, ask Anybody that brought it's never an exclusive conversation. Perfect. Uh, because we want as many different resources to come in to help those batch of schools as possibly can. That's awesome, man. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly enthused by the insight that you provide. Um, like that of, um, like Michael says, man, you, 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 the way you are, are efficient with information and how you're engaging is, um, is, is inspiring. It's supremely inspiring. And when I think about this industry, this is an industry that I've been working in since 2009 and every single day putting the blocks in order. And I have a deep passion for it. Like, I mean, like, like teary passion for it. Right. Like to the point to where it's like I want to see the benefit of our community community grow. And when I see you, it gives me like a sense of. Whew, okay, he understand it. And, you know, you're young, you know, you, you get it from a perspective that a lot of individuals don't get it. So, you know, with that stated, man, I'm supremely appreciative of you being able to take the time to engage and this will live on, right? Somebody will be able to see this and be able to say, 
okay, I understand it. And that's the purpose. I'm not worrying about how many people see it today. I'm looking at is how many people, when I go out there and work after this, how many people am I going to be able to show this to and get their minds turning to say, I can do that too. So I'm supremely appreciative of you being able to take out the time. Um, do you have any last words? No, man, just thank you. Like I said, I've, I, we, I knew you a little bit longer, but we met officially about a year ago, even to see the things you're doing in Texas, I think is dope. Um, you know, I wish you all more continued success. I mean, once y'all penetrate the whole school system, I mean, you'll have business for days, multiple locations. So I'm like, bro, just keep doing your thing. Y'all, yeah. y'all, a lot of people are doing a lot of right things. Right? Yeah, so for, sure. for, for me, it's always like, yeah, I mean, Danny and exposure is always in the back of my mind. Just again, you know, as you know, right. It's, yeah. it's a timing thing. And as yeah. long as you know, you have the right people and yes. you have their number and you know, they'll respond to you. I mean, that's we're good. Bro. So that's how I view it, man. No, no, no last questions, but you know, keep doing what you're doing, bro. Cause I'll be, I mean, I'm tapped into what y'all got going on too. For so. sure. Vice versa, my man. Definitely. Make sure you take it easy for everybody that's out there. I didn't get the chance to ask any answer any questions or ask Jay Ryan, but that's okay. I'll make sure to take all the questions and then provide them. Ryan has to go. So from that point. We are exposure. And this is your pathway to pro.